You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Good morning. Let's pray. Gracious Father, for your mercies and your grace, um, renewed each morning given to us uh, uh, like you fed your uh, your people in the desert with manna, um, given to us as our daily bread. Feed us now um, through your living and active word. Um, humble us uh, and exalt your son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, good morning. Short two-week class. Um, today is part one. Tomorrow's part next week is part two. Images from Easter. A little bit of a misnomer. Um, uh, really, it's kind of around Easter. Good Friday. Holy Saturday. You know, if I had a theme personally uh, this year, last week, it was Holy Saturday, the day that doesn't get a lot of press, um, either in the scripture, um, we'll read it here in just a minute, it's just a few day, I mean, a, a few lines that are thrown to the whole time when Christ is deposed or brought down from the cross, placed in Joseph's tomb, um, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, and then we don't really hear anything from Friday night, all day Saturday, until early the next morning as they run on Sunday morning, um, the day after Sabbath um, in, uh, in Judaism, uh, when they run to the tomb. Uh, so to spend some time there on Holy Saturday, and then, and then the glory of Easter, Easter morning, and then if we have time at the end of next week, even looking at some of Emmaus. And then along the way, we'll certainly deal with the text, but a lot of images, so if you even want to sort of load up on this side of the room in a little bit, we can, and I'll move um, heavy on... Um, on the screen, uh, uh, maybe today, um, a poem by a woman named Marie Howe, um, and then uh, and next week we'll look, well, we'll see where we go, see how far we get this week. So um, so that's kind of the idea. So now's a good time if you want to go hear John Halsey or, or Mark Gentilette or somebody else to <laughs> kind of cough, cough, act like you need a cough drop, and, you know, it's okay. Um, uh, so let's read. Um, we're going to stay with Luke next couple of weeks, um, primarily because Luke is the only of the four evangelists that deal um especially with the robbers, the two thieves that are crucified on both sides of Christ, one on his right and one on his left. Um, and a lot of where we are today with an artist named Nikolai Gay, uh, who I've talked about before, I just think he's just marvelous. Um, uh, he kind of centers in on the robbers and the criminals. Um, uh, and so we'll spend some time there. Uh, uh, so from Luke chapter 23, uh, if you had, I didn't bring this for y'all, sorry, but you can bring out your phone if you have that. Um, verses 32 to 46, Good Friday. These are going to be familiar words. Um, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they, that is the crucifiers, cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged, this is the part that's unique to Luke, 
one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other, the other criminal, but the other rebuked him, the first criminal, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he, the criminal, turned it, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, or there's that word again, amen, truly, truly, amen, 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 I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was now about the sixth hour, or that's noon, um, it was now about 12 o'clock, about noon, it was now the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, or 3 p.m., while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Or as King James Version likes to say, which is just so great, he gave up the ghost. Um, very haunting in the way that we hear that. So, interacting with the text just for a moment, and then we'll interact visually to hopefully deepen the text. Um, Two others, the criminals, led away to be put to death with him. So there's no ambiguity, obviously, at this point. Um, the race to the cross, especially characterized by Mark, is almost at its end. They're going one place, and that is to die, to die, to die, to die, to the place called the skull. We'll look at just a minute and what that is. Both probably, and some of us were there in February, um, uh, uh, a hillside, which if you look at it in a certain perspective, a certain way, it looks like the shape of a skull. You can see eye orbits and a nose. Or also, um, possibly as tradition holds, this is the place where Adam was buried. And so the first Adam's death and grave is where the second Adam is going to die. So the place called the skull. And there they crucified him with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Father, forgive them, for they know not the theme of darkness, which is going to dwell and fall almost with a palpable weight. You've been in darkness that's so heavy, sometimes you can feel it. The weight of darkness, almost like it has matter, almost like it has um, uh, uh, a feel to it. And darkness fell on the land, both the physical darkness, where there's the absence of light as the sun was obscured, but also the spiritual darkness, where they... Uh, to borrow what Jesus was speaking earlier about parables especially, they would see but not see, and they would hear and not perceive, um, being kept from understanding what is happening, as not only the curtain that was dividing the, uh, in the temple from, from the holy place, from the most holy place, from the holy of holies, uh, would be rent into, so also the eons of time itself uh, as one of my favorite theologians calls it, the rupture of the ages is happening right here as this story is relaying it between noon and three on a Friday outside the walls of Jerusalem. The rupture of the ages as darkness falls into the land and people are kept from seeing what's happening. The most significant time in the history of history is right here. And then one of the criminals speaks. And there's this, this triad where suddenly it gets very, very, very intimate. One on his left, one on his right, and then the man in the middle. Uh, Are you not the Christ? One says mockingly, save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, speaking over. So you can imagine here to here, whatever that looked like. Um, 
do you not fear God? You know, we're up here because we're supposed to be. He did nothing wrong. And then turning these inspired words, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, amen, I say to you, today, this day, you will be with me in paradise. It's so specific as to be displacing. This day, you will be with me in paradise. And the darkness returns. Um, the sixth hour at noon, darkness over the whole land. The sunlight failed. The sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn, crying out with a loud voice, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So now just to interact with a little bit of uh, the art. First one with a Rembrandt. Um, can y'all see? Um, are the lights okay? Do you want them down? Feel good? So I'm going to be in there. Hey, Sharon. Um, uh, a Rembrandt painting. We'll look at some details here in a minute as well. Um, let me get over here. Maybe y'all can see better. Um, so obviously the central focus where the light falls, this enormous Christ coming out with John. Uh, John, the gospel, um, uh, speaks three times where Jesus, through the mouth of Jesus, he speaks about being, needing to be lifted up in John 3, in John 8, and John 12. Unless, John, unless I am lifted up with the double entendre, John loves double meanings, um, his gospel, if you like those sorts of things, where you're looking at layers and layers and layers and layers. That's Your, your guy is John. The layers of being lifted up physically on the very, very high cross, as Rembrandt's going to say it. In a minute, we're going to look at some others that are very, very, very low to the ground. It's an interesting way of contrasting how we normally think of the cross being lifted up, not only to be over uh, everybody as he is dying, but also then be lifted up when he comes out of the grave in his resurrection and his ascension. So obviously the dominant place of Christ being lifted up uh, physically, as you can see one soldier, which very interesting helmet for the period, 1633 I think is when it was, yeah. Um, pulling, where somebody else is pushing, uh, and we got this triangle that's formed here with the turbaned man, and then also this man who keeps the center of it right next to the nails. I mean, very, very vivid nails in the feet. It's a human death that's going on here. Maybe. We'll look at that in a minute. Uh, with also then the, the place which lifts our eyes, as you see this other man in the, in, the, in, the, in the shadows of the cross, lifting and pressing and pushing, straining, as it were. And so our eyes are drawn here, but as we come down on this plane, very interesting and we see this this implement looks like a shovel which is also of course a slight cross almost in the same plane that comes here and this is just the the composition that Rembrandt wants to do as he kind of brings all this in with a shovel that comes to something like a grave perhaps maybe we can comment on that and this is very interactive in a minute about maybe what we're being drawn into so we stay here in the central composition with this triangle and we look at the three central figures. Obviously, Jesus, with the inscription written over it, this is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The parade man, almost certainly Rembrandt himself, um, a, a self-portrait. He's got several, I think Rembrandt and Cumbie is an art teacher, as you can say. He's got like 90 self-portraits or something like that. Lots of them. So we can go to other ones and look at all the different ways that he paints himself. And here he is struggling and straining, the closest one to the cross, very near, almost hugging it, embracing it, pulling it forward. But we also go up, this other turbaned man, probably also Rembrandt, 
you know, a double self-portrait. You know, so I reminded of double rainbow. Remember, that was right before memes were memes. That was like it. You know, it got like six million views. First one to ever go that far. Double rainbow, double portrait by Rembrandt. Um, a turban, a beret. I mean, just artists would wear that. So the paint doesn't get in their hair and all that. But here he is, um, regal, even with a scepter and a sword, um, standing on a horse, overlooking the scene. So what's going on? That's the composition. Those are the figures, and that's what we have. Looking around, let me see how I'm going to break this down. Um, Rembrandt struggling, raising Christ. Rembrandt overlooking, looking out to us. What's he doing? Of course, I don't know, but now I'm just kind of inviting you into this conversation, too. Is he looking out with us, as it were, you know, drawing us into the painting, saying, what about you? How are you grappling with this? Or is he looking out more in sort of the plaintive, um, almost the Valjean prayer from Les Miserables? What have I done? Sweet Jesus, what have I done? Or is it the thousand-mile stare, where he's just sort of not looking at us, but as it were, just absently looking trying to make some sense of what this rupture of the ages, what this heaviness, because that's the next sort of shift to this, how heavy the cross feels, uh, as he's trying to make sense of Jesus Christ and him crucified and what that might mean. And we see this Rembrandt um, from a secular standpoint, and I'm about to hit pause, uh, some have looked at this, some may look at this and say, well, here's a portrait of an artist struggling to raise his own art, as it were, you know, not from a spiritual perspective, a non-Christian is struggling to raise his own art, the central figure of Christ, who, if you look at it that way, real? Or is this like a sculpture? And this is a Christ who's just in the 17th century, in physically in a, uh, in a room or outside his studio or something like that. And this isn't the real Jesus, but it's the artist struggling to raise him up. I don't think so. I mean, it could be. It's certainly one view. Um, or is this just the artist anachronistically putting himself, as it were, in the letter of Paul to the Corinthians um, as he is in struggle and strain and, and even pain? How do I make sense in my own life of, uh, of Paul's admonition? No, Jesus Christ only and him crucified. What might this mean, this heavy death which divides the age, my age, um, my very life, from what it was, what it is, and what it shall be? And so Rembrandt, um, the raising of the cross, just some details that we can look. Um, here you can see a closer view of, of the parade. Rembrandt with the soldier pulling and the other one straining with the sort of mini cross here with the shovel on the bottom. Um, uh, the two Rembrandts coming in there and then the, the heavy, almost porcelain Christ. Um, uh, so thoughts, interactions. Cummy, anything to comment on too? I don't have to. No, Cummy's completely unrehearsed, so had, she had no idea. So. For me, um, I mean, um, this, uh, I go to a number of other examples in the history of art, um, and uh, particularly like a more contemporary one, who's very well known for the figures at the base of the crucifixion. Mm. Um, and so there's this complicity, like the artist is 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 acknowledging his 
explicit, like that yep. he was yep. part of the group that crucified Christ. Yep. Yep. So that's I read it more along the, those lines, and because well, in one in one instance is that you know Rembrandt with all these self portraits and. He, he died impoverished because he collected all of these antiquities. Hmm. And so this vanity of, of this haughtiness of this figure in the background on a horse of power, you know, hmm. and, and um, hmm. well, that's and good. All of that sort of stuff looking on. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Removed from it, as it were, as opposed to his other self. Yes. Struggling, right. you know, my complicity. That's good. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Over here? Yeah. No. Yeah, all these others who are obscured. Glad you said all that, Carrie. Um, uh, crying out, looking. He's, I think, I looked at this. I think he's the only one. The only God, I'm glad you said that, Carrie. The only one in the entire painting who's looking at Christ. Isn't that phenomenal? Nobody can behold Christ. Either their complicity and their shame or their preoccupation or whatever it is. This sideshow. Um, he's the only one, and he's holding out his hands. My Lord and my God, you know, Mark Sermon or something like that. Couldn't this be? You know, do you not know? Have you not heard? Can you not see? The one on the far right is that? Here? Yeah. Uh, maybe these are the robbers? I don't know that either. Um, uh, I looked at this and. You know, I'm, I'm surprised at the paucity of Google sometimes. I'm like, oh, what, what does everybody else say about this? And there's so little sometimes. Um, you know, I don't know who, I don't know. I don't know, maybe that, how do we know? I mean, that's always a question people come up to me as I start talking more and more about art. It's like, how do you know all that? And I was like, I wing it most of the time. Um, but uh, sometimes you know the intention of the artist and what they're doing in, in some sense and how they're borrowing from others. And there's a received tradition that they're working in just like writers and theologians and everybody else. Um, but there, I don't know. This looks like a robber to me. Like he's one also being robbed. Yeah, Catherine. I don't have that. Nope. Yeah. Here? I think it's a shovel. So it's clearly a shovel. But it's not just a shovel. I mean, here, the same plane and everything else. Not quite exactly. I don't know what that means, but it just draws us right to him. Also coming out of the dirt. Yep. I mean, there's, a, there's just lots. And it's lit. Yeah. It plainly, plainly, we're, we're, we're drawn here. Our death. They did not yet have post-toll diggers. So, um, uh, we're being drawn in. Our death. Our death. You know, there's a... T.S. Eliot's Journey of the Magi. Some of us were together in the Christmas. Um, we were drawn to a birth There was evidence and no doubt. Um, I had seen birth. Um, I'm trying to remember. But was it only birth? You know, because it was also a death, a hard death. I shall be glad of another death. That entendre of a beginning and an ending that's all there, I think, is also somewhere pregnant in this painting. Um, being drawn in, our death... Uh, our life outside the grave um, is because of what's happening. So, with that, let's move to. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying that is the first of five. Yes. Series and kind of like 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I glossed over that. Like in this, he even painted it. Evidently, tell me where I'm wrong, but with the the circular top, to make it look like it's an altarpiece, and it's not really. He, he just painted a composition as if it were an altarpiece, um, and it's the first of five. Um, his famous deposition is one of them, probably the most well known of of the of the set. Yeah, yeah. Um, Flemish, I don't know anything about this guy. Um, I was just going past it, uh, and I said, ah, oh, this makes me think of a few things. Um, Abraham Janssen's a Flemish author, I mean author, a painter. So here I am, and what made me think of this was, okay, well, this looks like, you know, typical sort of, you know, uh, uh, in the realm of Rubens and some others with, the, you know, vivid, colorful, large. But look at these other crosses the way the thieves are there. I mean, just the beginning now of capturing a different way of crucifying people. Um, just the cold, ruthless efficiency of being able to take whatever was available and sort of using that as a cross. I mean, right here, I mean, it's just this cut down piece of a tree, nail a foot here, come it from the other side here, take an arm, wrap it around the backside. Um, this guy, just another tree, one foot here, another foot down there, nailed to the sides. Christ, the only one with the inscription written above him. We'll see what Nikolai Gay does with that in just a minute. That's why we typically have some sense of either him low on, on a tall cross, so it's being hidden. Like the Advent shield, looks like a T. It's called a towel cross. There you go. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a cross. It doesn't look like it because we usually think of the the cross being going up, um, uh, but it's just called a tall cross, and that's where it is with the crown over it and all. So anyway, back to Jansen's. So we're drawn there with the, the brutal efficiency. That's the first thing I think of. The nearness of one of the Marys. Blue is always going to be Mary, the, the mother of God, probably Mary Magdalene, or it could be Salome, who'd be the mother of, uh, probably Mary Magdalene. This is probably the mother of James and John, um, Salome, the mother of a uh, of, uh, of the Zebedees. Um, the nearness of Mary Magdalene, who loved her Lord, who loved her friend, the woman who was um, uh, delivered from seven demons, a couple of the, 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 the Gospels tell us, where she comes and just is hugging the bleeding cross. Um, and then going all the way down here, here's the skull, as I mentioned, the place of the skull, um, the death of death and the death of Christ has to be it's my number one title of a book. It's a huge book. Don't have to read it. The, 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 the foreword is like 70 pages, and it's awesome, by a guy named John Owen. But what a great title. The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. I mean, such a good thing. The Death of Death. The Day Death Died. The Place of the Skull. So here is Death's Death. That's one aspect of it. And the other, as I mentioned, a tradition. Um, certainly almost isn't true, but it's a nice tradition that the place that Jesus died was also the burial of the first Adam. And so it's Adam's skull. The first Adam, as in one man, came through all trespasses, and in Adam all die. And the second Adam, the last Adam, so also shall all live. And here at the place of the skull, the two deaths are met. Why? So that in Christ's death, death shall no longer have its power. Um, 
all this is evoked here uh, between the, uh, the, 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 the crucified and wounded, you know, the, three, the five wounds, the, um, uh, the brutal cross, the nearness and intimacy of, of what I'm thinking is, is, is almost certainly Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, the death of Christ, and then the darkness. Um, it's also the one of the three. We'll look at Nikolai Gay, and he gets on this too. Of, of just the, uh, the physical darkness, the tumult, the storm, the drop, the eclipse of the sun, uh, the rupture of the ages, but the spiritual darkness. Uh, with the exception of John, behold your mother, woman, behold your son. Um, uh, John's always portrayed as the youngest apostle. Um, almost certainly was a teenager when he was was brought into the fold um, with a bunch of old men who would have been like 30 at the time. Um, uh, but the, the, the spiritual darkness, which also descends and drops down. Um, and so to look at Abraham Jansen with all the, the different, a um, little bit overly romanticized part for my taste, but that's just a personal piece, um, uh, but still you know, loving some of the images that he brings out in a way that most other painters do not. Why are we doing all this? To be drawn into the text, which we just read from Luke. Yeah, Richard. A lot of the um, Counter-Reformation painters did four nails. Mm -hmm. You don't see very much in our tradition, but it seems far more plausible. Yep. Like, like huh. yeah, it's very hard to actually pull off three nails. So Agreed. It's sort of more dramatic. Yep. And yep. You feel the weight. More. Yep. 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 Yeah, same. I think the tradition of three nails or five wounds, you'll have um, uh, the, the, the wounds around the, from the cross, the spear, one, two, and then three, four, five, also the feet. And there was even a, you know, English Reformation history. There was the pilgrimage of the five wounds, the, the pilgrimage of grace from the north to the south, and they had the banner of the five wounds and all that stuff. And so there was a whole medieval piety around the five wounds of Christ. We don't know. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think this reminds us of the brutal efficiency of taking what was there, um, taking what was uh, was most expedient. Remember, crucifixion horrifically was so common. They didn't want to take seven hours getting every cross ready. It is get them up there and let them start dying. Um, uh, there's a place where it's... Um, Sorry, I'm really slow today. Who's the Nero? Uh, Nero took a bunch of Christians and he divided them into lots. Half of them, there's like 2,000 of them, he lined the road into Rome with crosses. Uh, and it, took, it would take sometimes a week for people to die. Um, which was so amazing that Christ died in six hours. And then others he put on top of torches and he lit them. And that's how he sort of, you know, lit up the night as we come to the Colosseum. So brutal, brutal, brutal. So three nails, four nails, five nails, whatever it took. Um, I don't know. Want to hear more about the cross? Probably, because you're trying to hit it just right here. Any doctors in here? You know, it's probably right here, just anywhere on the forearm, between the radius and ulna, right here, anywhere you can get in between the bones. And when you drop them, it didn't matter as long as it, you know, went up there. And so you just ripped it's awful. And we'll talk about why that matters when we get to probably Dostoevsky and Holbein next week. Um, a brutal death. And why it wasn't, would it be the same 
if Christ, um, instead of being crucified for our sins and raised for, and Christ passed away in his sleep and was raised on the third day. Um, I think it matters. It's different. Not only because of the prescriptions, but he really died. Yes, sir. Didn't they uh, break the legs of the yep. two robbers? Correct. Absolutely right. To make them uh, die faster. To hurry up and let them die faster, which is why they went. Thank you for saying that. Um, because it would take so long, and it was about to be the Sabbath, and they wanted to get him down, especially Jesus, before it was because uh, uh, they couldn't touch dead people on the Sabbath. They were going to go up and break Jesus' legs, found that he was already dead, to check it, took a spear, went into his side. So this is really anachronistic, unless he's already dead. After he was dead, poked him to see if he's going to flinch or have some sort of you know, pain response, and he was already dead. Um, didn't need to break his legs, fulfilling a prophecy. I think from, as you remember, is that Micah? Sagai, something like that, that not a bone would be broken. So, yeah, Sharon? Um, you know that women were ever crucified? I have a vague memory that they were. It would be very unusual. But crucifixion was reserved for insurrectionists. That was the biggest thing. If you said anything bad about Rome, this was your punishment because they want to keep everybody in line, and then criminals and other sort of petty thieves, the ones that really didn't matter, and they just wanted to sort of keep up with the rabble. I don't remember. I have a memory that they were. So clearly Christ was a, was a, was, um, was a threat to Rome. Yep, yep. Um, or really a threat to the Jews, and that's the whole back and forth. And then, you know, they coerced Pilate into saying, if you don't do this, then you're, we're going to go back to your people, and they're going to think you're not being strong. I know a lot of women were thrown in with the lions um, for being Christians, but I'm not sure about the I'm sure, I'll bet in that, that day of 2,000 crucifixions, I mean, some of them were women. So, somebody else have something? We'll get to Mantanya real fast, and then we're going to stop. We're not going to get to the poetry. Any other thoughts here? So, um, last one, and we'll even, nope, sorry, we're not going there. We're going to just end with Nikolai Gate. This is the Russian author. I love this guy. In fact, when COVID happened, remember it was right during Lent, it was in the middle of a series on uh, Nikolai Gay for like six weeks, and that all got sort of undone. Here's just a few of his. Um, got to hurry. Nikolai Gay, G-E, I assume that's how you say his name. Um, G, Gay, I think it's Gay. Um, uh, Russian author, um, Russian, I keep saying author, um, painter, died in 1894. All of these were painted like in the last three or four years of his life. I think he calls this Golgotha. Here's Christ, the two robbers, Christ's head on the cross, a sketch. Here's another portrait of how efficient it could be. Opposite of, remember, the very long and heavy Rembrandt. Uh, again, if you're doing 2,000 people in a day, um, maybe just six inches, three inches, just anything above the ground is really all you need in order to create the, the, the space so that they would suffocate and not be able to sort of keep breathing. And so whatever it is to put, you know, a, a platform here so two people could raise him up, put him on there, and then drop him down. Makes sense. But we don't really know. And then is a magnum opus, perhaps, and we'll get here with the, the robber. Um, I'm going to rush through these. Maybe we'll come back because I do want to get to the man in the middle. Um, Christ and the robber, the beginning. This is what all, this is really where I started um, with the loop parts. Uh, the beginning of this tender, intimate, unusual, awful, wonderful dialogue between uh, 
Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. And truly, truly, amen, amen, this day you will be with me in paradise. The robber and Jesus crucified on his right. Um, another one of the robber crying out, or maybe this is the one mocking, it's hard to tell, with the sign over Christ, looking up, beginning to cry out to his father. Or then perhaps this one. Let's see if this is the last one. Yeah, we'll end here. Um, again, to your point, Richard, four nails. You know, another example of this would be a lot easier here, here, one on the left, one on the right. Just kind of go in there between the bones, however it works out. They're going to be moving around and all that. Just, just get it in there somewhere and let it, let it shake out. Um, Christ crying out. I mean, just the agony. I mean, even his tattered robes almost being forced down. Uh, just this heaviness. It just You feel him being pulled by his weight down and what it felt like to be there. Um, this man walking, almost an apparition to me. Hard to tell. I don't know if this is some comment of us not being able to see and walking away, or is this one of the centurions who, you know, it, it took six hours. They're not sitting there riveted the whole time. They've done this thing many, many times before. I don't know. But let's just go here. i got to hurry up. Um, Alistair Begg, um, Scottish preacher, been in America for a long time, had a great illustration that I really wanted to sort of work in here. Um, thinking about the robber, first one ever in the history of history, keep that phrase out there, to be admitted uh, into heaven, as it were, after you know the blood of Christ had been shed. Today, this day, you will be with me in paradise. And Alistair Beck takes that. It's not quite the way it works. Uh, but imagines what it must be like when the robber shows up in heaven. And Peter, as it were, whoever, they come out. It's like, well, who are you? You know, we don't have you in the book. We're not supposed to be here. It's like, I don't know. It's like, well, no, no, let's just tell me about yourself. Um, you know, were you baptized? And Robert's like, no. It's like, well, what church did you go to? There's got to be church membership, right? You've got to belong to somewhere. No? no church, never heard of that. I'm just a thief. I don't know what I'm doing here. You don't know what you're doing here. I mean, Bible study, prayer, how, how was that? Tell me about what you did in order you come. Nothing. Pastor Beck backs up and says, that evangelism question, um, if you died tonight, how would you know you're getting to heaven? If there's a first person in any part of that answer, well, I believed in Christ when I was 16. Well, I believe uh, that all the Bible studies that I've studied, all, all, all the Bible studies I've been to and the prayer that I've done, um, I've done this, my faith, me, mine, I, any first person aspect, completely wrong. It's got to be in the third person. Why are you here? How do you know you'll go to heaven? Because of Christ. Because of Christ's death. Because of what he did. Because of his sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction. So now back into this interview. So the guy's like, justification by faith? Doctrine of scripture? Never heard of it. Who? Why are you here? The man on the middle cross told me I could come. The man on the middle cross told me I could come. And that's what's going on here. The man on the middle cross tells us we can come before our Heavenly Father this day, this day, and be with Him in paradise. Um, that's our only basis for anything. And that's why this is the rupture of the ages, which divides our lives from what I once was to what I now am. Um, 
the man on the middle cross says, you, you, I want you to be with me. So let's pray. Lord, take these words feebly offered and um, multiply them by your gospel and let it Let your work be done in our lives. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.